exercise is great, but you know, too much or maybe not recovering well can definitely impact performance. So you asked about signs or how to know when your body is not recovered. So let's start there. Like, you know, there's some signs that are very clear that I usually ask someone if they do they feel rested? Sometimes people can say like, no, I feel tired all the time. I don't feel like I'm recovering from the workouts. Another big sign is that there's no appetite. If you don't have an appetite, it means those stress hormones might still be circulating. If you're an avid runner and looking for help to understand the science, simplify the complicated and remove hurdles so that your next run is not only fun and fulfilling, but also fuels you with passion and purpose, then you're in the right place. Runner Click presents The Passionate Runner with your host, me, Whitney Hines. Hello and welcome to episode 46 of Runner Clicks, the Passionate Runner podcast. I am your host, Whitney Hines, and summer is just about over or is, I think it's now officially over for my family and me. I can't believe how quickly summer went by. Seems like every year it goes by quicker and quicker. I think this summer went by especially quickly because my family and I traveled a whole bunch. We really weren't home for longer than a week or so at a time. So in light of that, being so busy and soaking in summer and the fact that we are coming up on our two-year anniversary of the Runner Click Passionate Runner podcast, we are re-airing some of the best and most popular Passionate Runner podcasts over the next month. I know I especially am looking forward to listening to these because it's been a while and I don't have the best memory sometimes or just re-listening can help me kind of retain the information from the experts we talk to or be re-inspired by all the amazing runners that we've interviewed because everybody just has such an interesting and powerful story. So I'm really glad that you are here either to take this trip down memory lane or if this is the first time, I hope you enjoy these episodes for the first time. Thank you all for listening to the Passionate Runner Podcast. If you are an avid runner and looking for help to understand the science, simplify the complicated, and remove hurdles so that your next run is not only fun and fulfilling, but also fuels you with passion and purpose, then you are in the right place. RunnerClick presents The Passionate Runner with your host, Whitney Hines. Hey, Whitney. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm in my recovery week after my marathon. So you're saying you had a workout this morning. I am doing absolutely nothing except for eating. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's great. There's definitely a time and a place for that. I'm like on the upswing. So I'm on the opposite side, like trying to build. So you're doing Boston. Yeah, I'm doing Boston. I'm going to do the Houston. You're doing um, Houston, which so got to keep it together, stay in one piece and show up to the start line. And I'm really excited. Oh, I've only heard great things about that race. Yeah. I'm really excited. Flat and fast. Yeah. So hopefully I can perform. Yes, I know. Yeah. It's, (laughs) well, that could be a whole nother topic for another day. Like everything is aligned, (laughs) great courses, great weather. And and then still (laughs) things don't always go your way, but they can, and they will for you. (laughs) So Yeah, I'm really excited. Yeah, just positive vibes. Positive vibes. Yes, yes. And it's always still, I will say, and then we'll get to the topic at hand. I do regret that like 
So I ran CIM. I mean, all in all, it was like a fantastic experience. I just didn't perform the way that I wanted to. And when I crossed the finish line, I really wish I would have stayed and cheered on the other runners that were crossing the finish line. Instead, I was like, let's just take the picture and go back to the hotel and I'm going to like lick my wounds. And I really regret doing that. So next race I do in the spring, next big race, like I'm going to, no matter the outcome, like I'm going to stay there and like soak in all the finish line vibes. Great. I think that's really great. I think there's definitely a lot of you can definitely get a lot of fun and feel really good when you see other people thriving. It's so much fun. I was watching you run and still it was great to see that and like tracking people. Like it is so much fun. It is for so me. much fun. Even, like I get like 10,000 miles. Okay. I was so pumped for everyone. I, it was really awesome. It's so funny. It's like I watch these people that I don't even, I have no idea what their story is. And like <laughs> I cry. I get so, and my kids get so annoyed. They're like, wait, mom. What are you doing? But yeah, like that one video, and then we'll move on. Of the Caroline Willie, I think was her name. Jake, my husband, was there and saw it. Like she was hobbling to the finish, and she was just seconds away from qualifying for the Olympic trials. And she like dove over the finish line, and they weren't quite sure if she made it. But I loved like the women that had just crossed. You know, they ran back and they helped her back. I know it's amazing. I mean, like. All the wonderful so awesome. like aspects of humanity, I feel like, you know, are illuminated at a race. Like you said, it reminds you why you run. Yes. So I think that's really great. Great like takeaway that you have. And I think I'm going to hold on to that too for my other races. I think that's great. Thank you for sharing. Oh, that. good. Well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, in retrospect, you know, I like, you know, you learn a lot on race day, but we are here to talk about another big topic, hormones and running. It's something that I think a lot of people don't realize that running can have such an impact on your hormones and hormones can have such an impact on your running. So I think I'd like to start a conversation with just kind of talking about the relationship between the two. Yeah. I mean, I've been getting a lot more questions about this, like a lot more clients are seeking me out specifically to help them balance their hormones. And, you know, I usually start those types of sessions with, you know, what are our hormones supposed to do? Many of them are female, but there are males too. So the, I think the emphasis of this talk, because it's for the mother runners podcast, it's going to be mostly on female. I'll maybe mention what happens to men as well. But we do have male listeners actually. So okay. yeah. So I'll make sure to mention that too, because it does, you know, it does play a part for them. So, you know, what does it mean to balance hormones? Like, what does this all mean? So why is this important? Like you mentioned, you know, hormones kind of control everything in our bodies. They regulate all of our functions, such as the menstrual cycle, bone growth, heart rate, muscle growth and repair, digestion, temperature, blood sugar, mood. It they control everything. And they're really just these chemicals in our body that are made by glands. And they send signals to all different parts of the body to dictate what to do. So if, you know, in the way they work is there's like a, when one hormone is elevated, it suppresses another mm -hmm. one. So the way it's affecting runners in particular is when you run, you're creating stress, and you're releasing those stress hormones, which are things like adrenaline, or cortisol, and you know, which are great because they help us to run and perform better. But at the same time, I call it like a teeter totter effect. It's suppressing other hormones, which are also important, like our appetite, our bone development and growth and repair, and a whole host of other things, and including the menstrual cycle. So when those stress hormones are elevated, the others are suppressed. And that's how it works. And then after the workout, 
when you recover and hopefully recover properly with food and with rest, those cortisol and those stress hormones start to go back down. And then the other ones start to and help with recovering and feeling good and getting ready for the next workout. So some people listening to this are probably wondering, okay, so how do I make sure I am balanced? So you mentioned recovery. So I would think like step one is making sure you're not doing like back-to-back workouts, that you're not having two hard days in a row. You're allowing yourself like an easy day or a recovery day in between harder sessions. Absolutely. So, you know, there's a lot of ways to make sure, and I can go through, you know, some tips on how to make sure that you're recovering properly. You know, exercise, you know, is a stress, right? Which is actually a good thing for our bodies and it raises our stress hormones. But, you know, the other thing, the other component I just wanted to mention is mental stress. So our stress from exercise increases those hormones, but also mental stress. So it's not just about physically recovering and we'll go through some ways on how to make sure that your body's recovering, but it's also the mental stress. If you are feeling stressed all the time, whether it's work stress or relationship stress or anything else going on in your life, during the holidays, it could be stressful. That is almost equivalent to like a workout. Mm -hmm. So if you're always feeling mental stress, it's kind of like your body's always in workout mode. So there's really, and like we said, there's that teeter-totter effect. If those stress hormones are elevated, then you're suppressing everything else. Yeah, I think that is such an important point. I think people are becoming more aware of that, that stress is stress. Your body doesn't know the difference. And so like, especially for mother runners in particular who have so much that they're balancing, like recognizing that if you're there's something going on with your kid or you have work stress or you and your husband aren't seeing a line or your husband's out of town or whatever, like your body is responding the same way with the same fluctuations and hormones. Absolutely. So I I always mention that because I feel like we think, well, I only did one workout this week. I don't understand why my body's hormones are off. So, you know, it can be other forms of stress. And, you know, and then we think, wait, exercise is supposed to be good for us. So how is that actually harming us? So, you know, exercise is great, but, you know, too much or maybe not recovering well can definitely impact performance. So you asked about signs or how to know when your body is not recovered. So let's start there. Like, you know, there's some signs that are very clear that I usually ask someone if they, do they feel rested? Sometimes people can say like, no, I feel tired all the time. I don't feel like I'm recovering from the workouts. Another big sign is that there's no appetite. If you don't have an appetite, it means those stress hormones might still be circulating and it's suppressing your appetite. So that's another big one. Constant injuries, like just whether it's soft tissue or bone injuries, bone injuries are a little bit more longer term from longer term sessions of stress without recovering. Could be low iron. Like if you're looking at your labs, it could be low iron, low vitamin D, low B12. It might mean that you're just not getting enough food. So low energy, low mood, like your mood is not what maybe you think it should be at that time. And you can kind of look back over the week or the past few days and say, well, my mood has not been amazing. What's going on here? And it could be that you're just not recovering properly. So, you know, those are just some really overt signs that I see. There's plenty of other ones and everyone kind of experiences it differently. One other one, actually, that I'm, a couple others that I'm going to mention because I think are really important. Your cycle goes off, mm-hmm. like your menstrual cycle. So it doesn't mean that you just miss your, you start missing your period. And I think we've kind of been 
you know, told that like, okay, amenorrhea now is bad. Like, you know, you have to be getting your cycle every month. Well, that's partially true. There are warning signs that if your period starts to become irregular, like a normal cycle is 21 to 40 days. And you usually get like a, you know, your period might last like three to five days or something like that. So if you notice your period is becoming lighter or you're getting it more often or less often, I always say that's like the check engine light on the car Mm. is going off. It's not like something's overtly wrong, but it's something we need to start paying attention to and start asking ourselves some questions and say, am I recovering properly? Did I increase my fitness load? Are my workouts more intense? You know, maybe I need to look a little further or or practice a little bit more relaxation or recovery a little bit better just so we can get that period restored. So that's a really great warning sign. And those are, that's especially important if you're trying to become pregnant or if you are, you know, trying to become pregnant as you are running. There's plenty of women that I've worked with that have expressed interest in trying to conceive while training for a marathon or a half marathon. And I think it's possible. It's just paying attention to all those signs and being really in touch with those. Yeah, I know. For me personally, when I was younger, like I didn't get my period for years and I never really paid attention to it. It just wasn't, it was not on my radar, which now in retrospect, I would be definitely pointing a finger at myself. But, and then when my husband and I wanted to start having a family, it found, it was very difficult to find someone who was knowledgeable on the subject. And they, you know, doctors were like, well, you just need to stop running. You need to stop exercising. You need to, (laughs) I wasn't underweight, but you know, you need to probably gain five to 10 pounds. And then, you know, they pumped me full of hormones and none of that helped. And then finally, I just changed my diet and I was eating more like Mm -hmm. real foods, more, I started eating meat and was getting more iron and protein. Mm -hmm. And because, I mean, at that time I was like, you know, in my late twenties, and I think I lived a life of cliff bars and <laughs> like peanut butter. So it wasn't a very balanced, nutritious diet. It was, you know, it was like a newscaster. I was always in the news car. I'm like, whatever I can grab to eat, you know? So, well, I think, you know, that's a really good point. It's like, you know, if you don't have like, a, you know, one of the things I go over is I first assess what someone's eating. And mm-hmm. kind of get a sense. Is this a regular, is their diet regular? Is it is their schedule irregular? Are they traveling for work? Like what's going on? Are they a student? And schedules are always different. So I think the most important thing is to first, you know, check in with what they're doing now and let them know like you might need to eat differently than you are right now in order to restore your hormones. And like, does that sound okay? And you might actually have to change your weight if there is an issue. Like Let's just check in with that first to see how the person feels about that and go over that. Like some people are very adamant about not gaining weight Mm -hmm. and that's really scary to a lot of people. So we kind of start there. It's okay to be scared about that. You know, it's what's most important is getting these hormones restored and it doesn't always have to end up with changing their body shape. But I think, you know, the other thing is like assessing their energy expenditure mm-hmm. and like looking closely at what are the activities of the day. I had one client who was a, a student athlete and she wasn't getting her period. She wasn't trying to have a baby, but she just wasn't getting her cycle. And she said, well, I, I stopped my workouts. And then when we assessed her daily activity, like we're in New York City, people walk. I said, how many steps are you doing a day? 
And she was doing like 20,000 steps a day, which is like, that's a lot of miles. Yeah. And her doctor didn't ask her. He just said, don't exercise. Mm -hmm. And in her mind, that's not exercise. Right. But her expenditure is much higher and we have to account for all those extra, all that, those extra steps. And I, and I said, are you carrying a backpack? Cause I know when I go to work, my backpack is super heavy and she's like, yeah, I got all my books in it. Yeah. I got all this stuff in it. I'm like, that's like a rucksack. <laughs> that's like, we need to definitely count. So matching the energy expenditure with, you know, the food and, you know, a registered dietitian can be helpful with that. Like really diving in closely to see what, how many calories kind of need to be accounted for. So that's probably the first thing. Yeah, I want to go dive a little bit deeper into like what a healthy diet should look like, like broadly. But before, I think it's important to note that like having your cycle is important, even if it, you know, you're not trying to have a baby because like, I mean, it's what's, I mean, it can lead, if you're training, you will have bone density issues. I mean, there's a, like, you are more likely to get injured. There's like a whole host of problems that, I mean, having low estrogen can cause I like big time health problems down the line. Like all that needs to be regulated for your like overall, like female health. Absolutely. I mean, I think some of the other things we overlook with that low estrogen is it also, it's kind of like putting you in menopause, mm-hmm. you know, because that's what menopause is, is low estrogen, estrogen depletion, and like not making enough or, you know, not having enough in your body. So what does that look like? There's probably more body fat that's being produced. Metabolism slows down. Cholesterol is increased, cholesterol synthesis. So a lot of times people with prolonged amenorrhea can have high cholesterol levels, but it's not that they're eating saturated fat and meat it's coming from another way. And it's from the low estrogen, not to mention, you know, just bone reforming all the other things and prevention of injuries. So with men, it might be worth noting now is, you know, testosterone suppression, like being low in testosterone. There are some initial studies, Adam Tenford out of Boston has some great studies that show that a low testosterone can have similar impact on men, meaning like the bone reformation after a workout can be altered with low testosterone. Also muscle growth. I mean, testosterone is your natural hormone. That's your natural steroid. Like we don't want that low and it's suppressed if there's not enough calories and too much exercise and it's not matched. So, you know, testosterone is not, and you can't take anything to raise testosterone or estrogen. There's no such thing as a pill to raise those levels. It's got to be your body and giving your body what it needs. And maybe this is a good segue to diet. Yeah. It's a beautiful segue to diet. So yeah, what, cause as a runner, I mean the time, what you eat, your fuel, and then the timing of it is so important. Like I know personally, when I just started running more competitively and I was feeling not recovered for the next workout, my coach was like, okay, what happens once you walk in the door? And I was like, oh, I go straight to kids stuff, whatever. He's like, you need to make sure you are getting, you know, drink a chocolate milk, eat a banana, just have something that you can grab really quickly because getting that nutrition in within like 30, 60 minutes of your workout is like crucial for recovery. And I felt so much better after I started doing that. I totally agree. I mean, I think there's definitely like, there's such great evidence showing that that glycogen window makes a huge difference. Like they literally, the studies will give someone a placebo or just like water right after the workout. And then they'll give another group 
a glucose containing beverage, and then they'll assess their energy and their glycogen. They'll literally take muscle samples and see who made more glycogen. And then they could say directly like, okay, if you take a glycogen or a glucose containing beverage right after your workout, you make more, you resynthesize your glycogen and it's a good thing and you recover faster. So I would say, you know, I agree with what your coach said. The one caveat to that is that appetite suppression is still going on. And most people are either in a hurry, like you are, because you have kids or other commitments that you have to get to, or you're just not hungry. So you're like, well, my body's telling me it doesn't mm-hmm. need food. So I would usually say like, okay, this is the one time that we really need you to override your body's cues. And intuitively, we know that you need food right after. It doesn't have to be a meal, but we need your body to shift because when those stress hormones are high, like we said, the appetite hormones are low. So we need to shift that. So we want those stress hormones to go down. And the way to do that is to eat a carbohydrate food along with some protein. And then you create something, another hormone is released called insulin. And insulin is an anabolic hormone, which tells your body to start storing and repairing. So it starts to, the teeter-totter starts going in the other direction. And so you just have something light right after. If you have zero appetite, do a smoothie. I like the chocolate milk. Have it out on your counter to remind you and to cue you if you need. And then you go on with your day for the next couple of hours until you feel hungry. Mm -hmm. Because it will come on and it will be pretty intense. But, you know, let your body start recovering while you're doing other things. So even if it's just a tiny like 100, 200 calories, that's enough to press the button to signal to your body like, okay, now we're shifting into recovery mode. We need to start producing these hormones and... Or it needs to be more than that. Yeah, I would do a little more, maybe like two to 400 if you can get that. So a banana and a chocolate milk could be closer to like two to 400 Mm -hmm. for sure. Toast with peanut butter and a banana is great. That's easy. A bar, even doing like a cliff bar, those are 280 or so. Mm -hmm. So that works because not everyone has access to all these different foods. I go to the track with my team sometimes or like their longer workouts and I'll bring tart cherry juice which is great because that's also like that could be an easy 80 calories or 100 calories. And then they have other food with them sometimes and they can also supplement with that. I'm going to make that my New Year's resolution to start drinking that because we had Megan Robinson, who's I don't know if you know her. She's a registered dietitian as well on. And she mentioned tart cherry juice, too, and how like fantastic it is. So I need to start drinking. (laughs) That's your New Year's resolution. So like buy it, buy like three bottles, keep it out. The key with that is have it out and visible in your refrigerator. So when you open the door, that's what you see. Mm -hmm. I just, it's all, the body is so complex and so amazing and so fascinating. Like it's just, you know, it's, you wouldn't think that, okay, eating carbs is going to somehow, you know, signal to my body that it needs to be producing these other hormones that will help, you know, rebuild my tissues and recover from the, the stress and damage that, you know, I just put on my body. It's just, it's fascinating. Well, I think also with that, you know, it's like not eating is stress. Like, you Mm. know, add that to our list of stressful things. Like, you know, if you exercise the body and then you don't eat afterwards, that's stress. Your body's got to find energy. And it's not like you just fall over onto the ground. It's like your tank is empty, like in a car. It just won't run. You don't just fall over, you know, not having energy. Your body is very smart and it will find energy. And it will break down that muscle that you just created. 
because your brain and your heart can only survive on glucose. And the only place that we store glucose is really in our muscles. So you can't really, there's no way around it. That reminds me too. Another sign of potential hormone imbalance is also poor performance. Like if you're out there and you're not hitting your workouts, which is something that happened to me and my coach again was the one that was like, Hey, you know, something's up. You need to go get your labs drawn. And a lot of this is looking, it sounds very similar to overtraining syndrome. Yeah. I mean, there's, it's like overtraining syndrome, REDS, which is relative energy deficiency Mm -hmm. syndrome. You know, these are kind of temporary issues that can be easily remedied and reversed by increasing the fueling, you know, getting in the calories throughout the day. It can easily be reversed, but it definitely affects performance because you're never like, you know, our bodies, like we were saying, are so adaptable and they're so smart that the purpose of training, like a training block, is you train your body to use and store energy. But if you're never eating it, you're never, you're losing out on those opportunities. You're doing the fitness part, but you're not letting your body really accept those adaptations the way it's supposed to with the fuel. I mean, it's training your body to use fuel more efficiently is what you're trying to do. Yeah. But if you're never eating it, you're never having that opportunity. I like the way you put that. So eating after is important. When are, let's talk about timing first and then we'll talk about like what the actual food might look like, the macronutrients. But so after the workout and then when else is important? I know particularly for females, like getting a little something in the tank before you go out is important, right? Absolutely. For performance, like, you know, our bodies have an hour and a half of energy in us, approximately, depending on the intensity and depending on everything else that was going on the day before, you have about an hour and a half. So if you're going out for longer, or if you're doing a a track workout, you know, that the duration, like the clock starts ticking, once you leave the house, like, you have an hour and a half, your body is using energy, even do your warm up to chat with your friends before to do your stretches, like the clock is still ticking. So you don't want, you know, you don't want to use up all that energy and then not have anything left for your last rep. And that's where you feel that performance impact is the last rep, you might feel sluggish for the whole duration, but you're really not going to have enough to finish properly or the cool down is is a slog, and there, <laughs> which can be like that. Oh yeah, that there's nothing worse than like that two to three mile cool down where you're just like, oh my gosh, can I just be done already? You want to avoid that feeling. Take my word for it if you haven't experienced that. <laughs> so there, I'm gonna guess there's a lot of people listening to this that are intermittent fasters and they do not eat before mm-hmm. they exercise. And I have had many conversations with athletes about why that is not wise for runners. It may work for other people. I know that I think you and I have talked about this in the past about how it is beneficial for some people. But if you are a runner, especially like when it comes to having balanced hormones as a female, like eating just a couple hundred calories before you go out is really important. Can you talk more about that? Yeah. So, you know, the body is going to use energy, like we said, and taking in food is also training your gut to absorb those calories. And like I was saying is to, I mean, I attended this really great lecture by Asker Jakendrup, who does a lot of work on cyclists and endurance athletes. And it was fantastic. And he 
talks about like on the very like basic level, like where they were measuring the glute receptors in the gut. And like, basically, they found that the more food you ate before and during a workout, the better your body becomes at using it for energy. And then you can sustain faster speeds. So if you can't just show up to a marathon and say, I'm going to go do, you know, a goo every 30 minutes. Like you have to train your body. And the part of that training is really changing your receptors and changing it on a cellular level. So your body gets used to taking that in much, much faster. So, you know, that's one major reason. And also it's like getting used to trying different foods, like see what works for you. So, you know, on race day, what your body feels good with and what maybe it doesn't. So it's a good opportunity to practice your fueling plan for when you do get to your race. Yeah. I mean, if there's any like common thread with any pre-race advice is to don't wait until race day to try something. You always want to practice like every aspect in your training. Okay. So say somebody's listening to this and they're like, hmm, I think, you know, I could potentially have a hormone imbalance. What what would their next steps be? And like, what would you say the path forward may look like? Like, I know we've talked about ensuring that like the training volume and intensity is at the right level. You may need to scale back. You need to make sure you have enough recovery. You need to eat before, eat after, maintain like good nutrition throughout the day, which actually before we get to the path forward. So what does that good nutrition look like? Like, how do you know how much you should be eating? I don't want to encourage people to be like, you need to count your calories and count your macros. Like, you know, we don't have time for that. (laughs) Yeah, no, exactly. Like focus on the running, not on the counting the macros. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, you know, once you kind of have a sense of how many calories your body needs, like I do, I think like talking with a, a professional is helpful or, you know, just starting out with like eating every three to four hours. I think that's another great way to gauge. So eating a breakfast, that's a proper breakfast that has a combination of nutrients like carbohydrates and proteins, and then recovery food, and then a refueling lunch. And I'm assuming you're working out in the morning. Like I call it a refueling lunch because you're trying to refill all of that energy that you used at your workout earlier. So, you know, you're not going to do as great if you have like a burger and fries, like your body needs carbohydrates, it needs vegetables, and it needs protein. So every three to four hours, and then a snack in the afternoon, and a dinner, like a balanced dinner, not grazing, not a bowl of cereal, a proper dinner that has a variety of nutrients. And I usually kind of say like, you know, on a workout day or a greater intensity day, half of the plate is the starch. So using like an eight or nine inch plate, half of it around that, you know, everyone is different. Obviously, everyone needs a slightly different amount of food, but half of it needs to be a starch. So I think people have kind of gotten a little confused because they're like, well, I'm eating salads. Look at all these great salads with chicken. I'm like, but you still need starch and carbs are not bad. They actually provide energy and help us to feel better. And that's a part of a healthy diet. So half of the plate and then, and carbs could be any form. It could be brown rice, white rice, potatoes, like baked potatoes. We're not talking about mashed potatoes with like lots of stuff added, but like a baked potato is inexpensive and pretty easy to make along with like other nutrients at the meal can be really nourishing for a runner. Pasta, but not just a gigantic bowl of pasta. It's like, well, there's got to be some kind of protein with it. Maybe it's some chicken or maybe it's like veggie burger patties along with that. And then a side salad. 
So that's a balanced meal. And then snacks at night are totally fine, like one or two snacks, but not a bag of chips. Like chips go along with a healthy meal Mm -hmm. and they're totally fine. So eating often is where I would say to begin and eating carbs with your meals is probably the the first place to start. This conversation is making me hungry. <laughs> I know, me too. It's like it is lunchtime. Like, yeah, it's, it's lunch. funny. When I was carbo-loading <laughs> last week for CIM, I realized I'm like, I already eat mostly carbs all the time anyways. Like the carbo-loading <laughs> was not hard at all because I don't know. I just think like as runners, like we just become very adept to, to eating the carbs because we know how important it is. Okay. So now let's talk about, thank you for that. That was very, I'm salivating. I'm like thinking about what's for lunch, but it was also very informative. <laughs> well, there's, <laughs> well, there's one, and here's a sound bite. Like, here's what I would usually say. If someone's like, just tell me the healthy diet to eat. I usually say, here's my take, choose fresh vegetables and fruits, lean proteins, complex carbs, low fat dairy, and monounsaturated fats. Like that's there it. you go. That's a healthy, you know, that's it in a nutshell. I'm going to start emailing you every day and be like, what are you making for dinner? <laughs> <laughs> totally. Sometimes I make really great things. Sometimes not. So good. So <laughs> yeah, that's how I am. Like- Although my sometimes really great things is like maybe a couple times a month. <laughs> it's challenging. <laughs> Anyways. Okay. So what does the path forward look like? If somebody thinks that they might be low, the first step would probably be to go like get their labs drawn and make sure hormones and iron and B12 and vitamin D are all in that panel. Yeah, no, I think that's really good. And I think we're, you know, we're much more involved in our medical care these days. Like we're much more advocates for ourselves than maybe years ago. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's Dr. Google where we're looking up things more readily. I think starting with a physician, like someone who's gone to medical school, they've taken classes on hormones and hormone imbalances. They know what to draw. So it could be an internist, a primary care doctor, a family care doctor. It could also be your GYN or an endocrinologist. Like those are probably the best physicians to start with. And they'll pull labs. And sometimes I'll make, like, I'll ask the doctor, like if they've worked with clients before that are athletes. People that are athletes are a little different. I think most people that go to doctors are sick and athletes are not. They're actually really healthy. So I think it's really hard to kind of sift through all of the information to figure out what's really going on. So sometimes I ask if they have experience with working with athletes, but those are the doctors that I would probably recommend working with. And labs, there's tons of different labs that can be really helpful. But again, I didn't go to medical school and I'm not a doctor, (laughs) but I do have a list of labs that are important for a physician to draw. They would have to interpret it though, because I don't know how to do that. I know how to do certain, you know, there's a few labs that are like red flags. Mm -hmm, Like ferritin and iron and... Right. And like an estrogen level, you know, an estradiol is a good indicator that something's going on if your estradiol is low. But again, like I was talking about before, hormones are always fluctuating. So it depends on when you get these labs. Oh, yeah. You need to, Um, if you're a female, like you need to know when your cycle was. They should be asking you that. If they don't ask you that when they're giving you the results, then that's a red flag. It's hard to interpret. Yeah. Yeah. And cortisol levels are, are really not, they can be helpful. But again, if you just worked out or if you're feeling stressed at that moment, mm-hmm. that cortisol is going to be high. Same as insulin. Like insulin levels are high like after a meal. Like that's normal. So it's a lot of, you know, these labs are, they fluctuate so much. So it's harder to use that for diagnostic 
criteria. Other ones that are really helpful are like LH, which is luteinizing hormone, FSH, follicle stimulating hormone, prolactin, TSH, and the sex hormone binding globulin. Those are probably some of the more common ones that would be drawn and again, interpreted by a physician. So those are helpful. I could give those, you know, I could send you a list and you can post that if anyone has any additional, you know, questions about it. But that's where I would go first and see what the physician says. And after getting those results and find out what's going on, sometimes there could be other medical causes of like either a loss of period or hormone imbalance. Mm -hmm. Like there's something called PCOS, which is pretty common, Mm -hmm. which can affect the cycle, could have to do with maybe coming off of a medication, like maybe you're on a birth control type pill or something, you know, might take a little longer for the body to adjust. So there's other reasons why and other medications can affect hormones. So it's important for, you know, someone to evaluate that. Also, hypothyroidism, fairly common and harmless. That can be something that's going on as well. Yeah, it's a lot of those were ones that I had issues with and running was not the trigger. It was actually just having babies. And like, it's pretty common, I think, after you have babies for your hormones to be out of whack. And it was my running, my performance was really tanking. And my coach was like, you need to get your labs drawn. And that was like, thank goodness for running. Cause I mean, I felt terrible. My mood was terrible. I was angry all the time. And thankfully for me, you know, I spoke with a doctor who new athletes. And so they knew what was kind of normal to be like in a different range and then what to focus on and then what to do with the hormones. And like, I was lucky enough that I didn't have to go on any medications. I just needed to take some supplements. And then over like the course of a few months, things regulated and we keep an eye on it. And I get tested every, I get blood drawn every six months to keep an eye on everything. But yeah, and I I know a lot of people have had similar stories where they, you know, they may have to change their diet or change like their exercise regimen. But for me, like I, you know, and other people I know, we just needed to take some supplements and that was able to like get everything back in line. Yeah. Good. And do you feel better? Like after? Oh yeah. You feel back to yourself. That's great. Yeah. I mean, I actually have, I've written about this quite a bit because after I had my second child, like I didn't feel like myself and I had, you know, dark thoughts and I was in a bad mood and angry all the time. And I thought it at first I was like, well, it's just because I'm exhausted because neither one of my kids are sleeping. But I was very relieved to know it was because my estrogen was sky high and then everything else was out of whack. And so it was after we, you know, I just take one supplement for that. And it's crazy. Like I became myself again. I was like so relieved that I wasn't so angry and wanted to punch somebody in the face every day. So hormones (laughs) are a very powerful thing. (laughs) They are. They control a lot. They do. They do. My poor husband. (laughs) (laughs) How long did it take you to feel better? Just a couple months. That's great. Yeah. I would say things were pretty where they should be in six months, but they had the estrogen had come down a considerable amount within like two to three months. I think that's great. I'm glad you were able to recognize that and didn't go on for a long time without knowing what was going on. I think that's also a very frustrating thing that we hear about a lot 
is just kind of no one knows what the answers are. And it kind of can take a little longer to figure it out. Yeah, I encourage people to ask around like your point about getting a doctor who's familiar with athletes or familiar with women. Like, I think it's really important to ask your running buddies who they see because you can be led astray pretty easily, I think, especially, you know, in like Western medicine. Well, and I was telling you earlier before we started, I think my story was a little different than yours, but somewhat similar to what we're talking about. Before I had my kids, I was on was using hormones like birth control, and I went off of it and then just never got a period. And at the time, the doctor who was was very well intended said, well, if it doesn't come, we could start using Clomid if you're trying to conceive, and that'll help you, which is a, a medication that kind of induces ovulation, I believe. So but it's still a hormone. And I said, well, my body, you know, there's nothing wrong with me medically, like what's going on? And he said, well, I don't think you're under fueling because, and I wasn't underweight. So he said, well, it's probably not related to your weight. But at the time, like looking back, he didn't know that I was exercising a lot that all those days, and it was probably suppressing or delaying my hormones from coming back. So eventually it did I did, you know, was able to kind of restore my cycle on my own from, I remember I was on vacation a lot that summer. So it was probably because of that too. <laughs> like looking back, I was trying to stay calm. Like it was a very be. successful vacation. That's great. <laughs> it totally worked. So highly recommend that. But anyway, yeah. And so I never had an issue. And yeah, since then it's never been abnormal again. So, but knowing like, you know, looking back at that, like I bet there's people that you know, women that go to their doctors and they, you know, the doctor might not really know or do like an extensive workup in their eating and their exercise history to know that maybe there's a little bit of a mismatch and that can just be, you know, remedied by some lifestyle adjustments versus like medication so quickly. Yes. But, you know, everyone's different. Some people prefer like, I want it now. Like, let's just do it. Yeah. Yes, that's true. And it is. Yeah. And that's fine. And everybody, every whatever work body is different. But yeah, I think that's also a great point is if you are a runner, you need to make sure whoever you're seeing, whatever healthcare professional knows that because it does have a big impact on your body and just the way that it works and the demands that are upon it. So that's also a great point. This has been very eye-opening and I really appreciate you like sharing your own story as well as all this helpful information. Amy, this has been so informative and I really appreciate you sharing your personal story as well. Is there anything that we missed that you want to add? You know, the only thing I would add, and I could have mentioned this earlier, is there are other ways, you know, a couple other ways aside from changing your diet or reducing your, your exercise temporarily. It's, you know, other things that can help restore hormones. And one of them is sleeping well. Sleeping at least seven to eight hours each night can do wonders. So if you are feeling like your hormones are imbalanced, check in with your sleep. Are you getting enough sleep each night? Because if you are trying to train for a race, a marathon or a half marathon, or you're just exercising, then sleep can help restore and reset those hormones so they can function properly again. So I think that's a really great one. Great studies to show it reduces cortisol levels. So sleep is awesome. Definitely in your toolkit. Reduce emotional stress. If you're feeling overly stressed about work or life or anything going on, find someone to talk to, whether it's a friend, a family member, 
or a therapist, reach out to someone for some support if you are feeling emotional stress on an ongoing basis. The other major thing that nobody wants to hear is cut back on alcohol. (laughs) Alcohol definitely disrupts hormones. It disrupts sleep. It can definitely wreak havoc in the body. So just be aware of that. Like I know we're going into the holidays, like maybe be a little more picky about when you want to drink. If you are feeling hormone disruptions, then yeah, maybe reduce the alcohol. But, you know, or maybe pick a time or day where you are going to make more adjustments to your alcohol intake and uh, see if that helps you. I hope, you know, some of this information has been helpful. And Whitney, this has been so great. It's always great to see you and have these conversations. I think they're so helpful for people to hear a lot of this information that we go over. Yeah, no, I always learn from you. And it's really like practical advice. And I think just you make it digestible. See what I did there (laughs) as far as like how to like work it into (laughs) your like fold it into your daily routine. And like, all in all, it will make you run better. It'll make you feel better. And I will just say if there's like, if you have any inclination that something might be off, if you were tired all the time, if you just feel like there's something wrong, be an advocate for yourself. Go see a healthcare professional, see one who knows athletes or runners. And if something, if everything feels great, I still think that you should get your blood drawn like at least once a year. Totally agree. All right. Thanks, Amy. Bye. Bye. Thank you, Amy. And thank you all for listening to The Passionate Runner. You can find the full show notes for every episode, which includes a summary, takeaways, quotes, and any of the resources we mentioned at runnerclick.com slash podcast. Be sure to follow and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you're enjoying the content and getting value from the episodes, please leave a rating and review at ratethispodcast.com slash thepassionate runner. And we'll be sure to read these out on future episodes. Talk to you next time.